ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm giving you fair warning. I should probably not be in front of a microphone right now. I'm having a really bad day. Nothing, you know, life-altering is occurring. I just got like a lot on my mind, a lot of tough decisions that I need to make that are uncomfortable to make and not really enjoying the feeling. I also still haven't heard back about this hosting gig. They were supposed to let me know yay or nay last Wednesday. And then on Tuesday, they hit me and was like, can you do another interview? Okay. So a Zoom call. I think I told you about this. The Zoom call with the network execs lurking in the background. So that happened. And then they hit me up for a background check. So I'm not worried about that. I'm just, you know, waiting on a response. And um, But I was having this conversation with him the other day. And I was like, obviously anxious. And then insecurities, you know, flaring. And he was like, why do you do this to yourself? He was like, you were fine before this. And then now you're doing this. And you've got like all these like, um, like feelings and emotions that you don't like having. And you're clearly not happy. So like, why? And then I had this whole long conversation with myself about the why of it all. And I didn't really like the answer. Like, it kind of feels a little devil's advocate. I'm thinking of the ending where the devil is like vanity is his favorite sin. So I was like, the truth of the matter is I didn't like doing reality TV. It was a really not so great time in my life. And you're up for doing this again. Why? I have these, um... And I think everybody has it, but there's a, um, a actually really wide gap between the person I actually am and then the person who, even people who really know me um, or should really know me, expect me to be. And I think there's an idea that like, I want certain things that I really just don't. Very often people are like, oh, like, you know, the stuff that you do, like it should be in a book or it should be on this network or it should be, it should be, it should be. And I'm just like, I'm actually outside of like, maybe like the last week or so pretty good. Like with where I am and like how I move and like the things that I do. And I'm like, I really get, you know, like work-wise significant joy from my podcast and my merch and working on my books and writing these treatments. Like I actually kind of like being behind the scenes, to be quite honest with you. I'm more interested in you caring about like my thoughts or the way I put something together, like words wise or story wise, than what I actually look like, because that's so fleeting. And like, keep it 100, like I'm not really at my physical best right now. But I was like, why am I sitting up here stressed about some shit that I really don't have to stress about? Yeah. I don't know, but I get very caught up sometimes thinking that like, well, maybe I should be doing these things and maybe I should be focused on this and maybe I should try this. And and I'm not even always sure why I think like that because I've tried that a million times before and it's always fucked me up. I'm actually really good at steering myself in the directions that I really belong in and doing what works for me. And I don't know why I keep going through these cycles of like doubting myself. I mean, I guess that's just the process of life. I'm in a season where, like, I actually give a fuck. I'm like, what happened? Like, I'm in my 40s. I'm supposed to not care about shit, and yet I still do. Is something wrong? Are my 40s broken? I don't understand. 
I don't know. I'm just, I'm all over the place right now. And my dad like absolutely hates when I like share stuff like this. He doesn't really like it when I'm like openly vulnerable or insecure or talk about like self-doubt or feelings. But I also kind of feel like, I don't know, it's my podcast and I created it for a reason so that I could talk about things that I wanted to talk about. And if I'm comfortable talking about it, you know, maybe he's not comfortable listening to it. I don't know. If it makes you uncomfortable, don't listen. It's really that simple. And that's not just for my dad. That's for like anyone. Oh, there we go. My no fucks are kicking back in. Wonderful. I haven't done much since we last spoke. The merch is coming in bit by bit. We're up to two thirds. The interested men act interested merch just came in. And so did shut the fuck up is free. So we're still waiting on cut the check and then the logo for the podcast. But I think the drop date, I think what we're doing is November 9th, the Tuesday. We'll probably do like a noon Eastern Standard Time. That sounds good. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, my friend was in town from the East, Geneva. But we had hooked up on Sunday, brunch on Sundays, to go to the new museum, the Academy of Motion Pictures Museum. They've got this cute little restaurant. Is it Fanny's or is it Franny's? Let's look it up. Franny's. That's what it is. They have like this divine salmon. It was so good. So we had salmon and and rosé and champagne. And then the ideal is to like, you know, do a drunk walk through the museum only to finish brunch and like, you know, rush our champagne to get to the ticket counter. And they were like, oh, do you have reserved tickets? And we were like, no, can we just, you know, buy tickets because it's not crowded. And they were like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we keep the numbers down because of COVID, but we only do time ticket entries and we have no more for the day. So I was all excited about this Spike Lee exhibit that's there that we couldn't even go see. So then we ended up hanging out in the bookstore, which had actually like good Spike Lee merch. Whenever I go any place, especially museums, I always go to the museum store and I look around at like the merch because I want to see like what other people are merchandising and see if like anything is transferable for Ratchet and Respectable. Like if it's anything cute there that I see for them that I think might be cute for y'all. And my standard is if I wouldn't wear it, then I wouldn't like, you know, create it because, ew. So our museum day was fumbled, but our brunch was quite fantabulous. So that's my life. I do wish that it was more exciting. I've actually got some good invites this week. I'm supposed to be seeing, is it King Richard? Will Smith is King Richard? Yes, the movie with uh, Will Smith is playing, um, is playing Richard Williams, Serena and Venus's dad. I'm supposed to be going to that tomorrow. It's the kickoff for ABFF in LA. And then... The Gathering Spot. Have you heard about The Gathering Spot? It's like a um, a social club for black folks. So kind of like a Soho house, um, which I think they'd probably be mad at that comparison. But it's just the one that pops in my mind when it comes to like private social clubs. But they're launching officially in L.A. this week. And so I'm hoping to catch up with them and see what they're about. I have a little bit of social life. Before this big drop, which, you know, consumes my life when it happens. No complaints, but yeah. Speaking of King Richard, did you see Will Smith? And more importantly, the Venus, Serena was there too. On the cover of, I want to say, is it um, Entertainment Weekly? Will, Will looks like a wax doll. And since this shoot, he has grown a mustache, which we talked about on the last episode. Will Smith with this beard with no mustache is, I'm just going to move along. Serena looks like Serena. She has a look that that works for her. She likes it. And I like Serena. And so I'm moving along. The Venus, though. The Venus. I implore you to go look at this cover of Entertainment Weekly because the Venus looks 
amazing. I don't know what she's done. It doesn't look like she's, you know, had any work done. She just looks so, so good. Not that she's ever been a bad looking woman. I just want to be clear. But like she looks so, so good. And I think, and I mean this in the best way possible. I mean, no shade whatsoever. I think she may have had a few snacks. Because Venus has always been a thin woman. And she's still thin, just for clarity. I think she may have had like five pounds of snacks, which I hope she keeps because she looks freaking amazing. Like the hair, the face, she's got a little more cheek than she usually does, I think. That could be a little Botox, which no hate because I like good work. If it's work, it looks amazing and natural. I don't know what she's done, but she looks absolutely beautiful. That's what I'm trying to say. Go look at Venus on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. Like she looks phenomenal. And on the cover, they sat her right in the middle. I mean, between Will and Serena, Venus is the least famous, although she's very, very, very famous. But like, I feel like usually a Serena or a Will would be sitting in the middle. But Venus looks so goddamn good that really, Will and Serena could not be there. It could just be Venus because that's all I really see. Go look at this cover, y'all, and come back. I'll wait. We have more good black news. Cardi B is hosting the American Music Awards, which I would never have watched. So this is a really great pick. I will be tuning in to watch Cardi B do what Cardi does. And also just to see the outfits. They be dressing Cardi. I don't know who her team is. I follow the makeup artist on Instagram. I don't follow the fashion team. But they be dressing Cardi. Like dressing. So I will tune in to the AMAs to see what Cardi got on. To see what the hair is giving to see what the face is giving, and to hear Cardi's quotables. Cardi B is a good time. Even before she was like super famous Cardi B, when she was like VH1 Cardi B, she was always a good time. Even before that, she was a good time because that's how she ended up on VH1. She had like a huge social media following. I think she had like a million followers before she got on VH1, which is how she ended up on VH1. And then, you know. Jay-Z was inducted. No, do we want to talk about that first? Oh, do we want to talk about that first? I mean, it's actually all good news. What if we do an episode just of good black news? Oh, no, that's not going to happen because I'm looking at other stuff on the list. No, we got to talk about some ratchet shit. Damn, black people. Well, let's talk about the deans. Swizz and Alicia, they're on the cover of Architectural Digest with a great cover story written by the Lola, Lola Oganaki. She's been doing a bunch of stuff for AD. She did, oh, it was a Nigerian. Let me go look at Lola's page real quick. It was a fashion entrepreneur. That's what she is. That house is laid out. This woman is the owner of Alara, A-L-A-R-A, West Africa's first fashion, luxury, and lifestyle concept store. Okay. But the house, though, the house, the house is laid the fuck out. It's a penthouse duplex in Lagos. It's beautiful. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. I'm flipping through the pictures now. Oh, my God. The art in her house? Oh, Sorry, we're supposed to be talking about Swizz. Shit, my bad. And Alicia. But no, Swizz and Alicia open up their home to AD and they answer the door and like, you know, sexy black people all white. I'm looking at the video now. Like Architectural Digest is giving me very cribs right now. But the Deans have this beautiful house. Is it Tony Stark's house? Hold on. They make an allusion to it in the video. I'm not sure if it's, the house in Iron Man was inspired by this house or this is actually the house that Iron Man lives in in the films. I don't know. It's a beautiful ass house. It looks like a museum. 
It's up on this cliff. It's 11,000 square feet. Beautiful, beautiful art. I think some of the art in this house, though, or at least one piece of art, I don't know if the right word is selected by Mashonda, but Mashonda was responsible for this one particular piece of art that they purchased from an exhibition that she did. So when this AD piece went up, she posted about it on on her Instagram. And she said, I want to thank the Real Swiss and Alicia Keys for acquiring this piece back in March from my New York City Women's Month exhibition. They fell in love with it at first sight. And she says, thank you both for placing it in your incredible Dean collection. An honor to say the least. And she encourages the reader. She says, definitely check out Architectural Digest to see this stunning art collection and the gorgeous home of the Deans. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what she said. Mashonda is a classy lady. And this is evidence of said class because, girl, I couldn't do it. I could be cordial. I could not have beef. I could get over it. I could move on. I could do all of those things. I don't know if I could be on Instagram talking about the deans when that used to be me and my husband. When I used to be the deans. I don't know if I could do that. I think I have a little too much petty in me to do that. It's not a lack of healing. It's not anger. It's not residual. I just, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not that good of a woman. Mashonda is fucking amazing. And actually in like real life, she's actually a really nice person. But like, no, I, mm-mm, mm-mm. I was like, Mashonda is a better lady than me. And I don't mean that in no kind of shady way. You know, black people be like, ooh, you better than me. No, 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 no. I, I literally mean she is a better lady and woman than I am. That's what I'm saying. But go look at the house in Architectural Digest. Like it's some sexy house. And I was like, shit, why can't I sing? Or write music or make beats. I don't even want like an 11,000 square foot house. Like I just want a house like on a rock, like looking out into the ocean with unobstructed views. They got like an infinity pool and then like the ocean is just right there. It looks like the pool runs into the ocean. Like when I go say look at this house, like go to Architectural Digest and look at the video of this house. Like the pictures are, are cool. The pictures show the art. It's okay. But go look at the video of this house. It's like, oh, it's mind blowing. They've been having a lot of black people in AD lately. Who was just in there? Law. Law Roach. Luxury Law on Instagram. I followed him for years. Really nice guy. He also won an Ebony Power 100 award. And I hoped that I would meet him at the ceremony. I don't think he was there because I was looking for him. It's been years since I've seen him. But his house, I had no clue stylists made that much money. I was like, sir, are you selling coke on the side or, or some illegal substances? You invested well, flipped a coin. I had no idea stylists were caked up like that. And I was like, shit, I could have been a stylist. His house is gorgeous. It's perfection. Like I could move into that house tomorrow and not change a thing and it would be perfect. It's such a beautiful home. Let's go look at his home real quick. Luxury Law on Instagram. And he got this beautiful house. It had the nerve to be like, I never thought it would be featured in Architectural Digest. And he's kind of like a humble mofo who would like really genuinely not think that his house was AD ready. And I was like, sir. Like, it's like an artist's dream. Yeah, this is what he said on his Instagram. He says, don't think I ever dreamt of my home being photographed for Architectural Digest. I just always dreamt of just having somewhere safe to lay my head. Guess the universe had other plans. Sir, 
Sir, this house is so beautiful. Lots of black and white elements. A gigantic photo of Obama. Hints of gold. He has a champagne wall in his kitchen. There's this beautiful black and white sofa. All these beautiful silhouettes. The bedroom is black and white. The walls are black. Look, the first house I buy, which I should have been bought a house. I just can't figure out where I want to live. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Like I'm currently trying to figure out this Tribeca situation, but that's like a couple years off. I have another plan before that. Did we talk about the pre-Tribeca plan? The, the excursion, which is much different than the Odyssey. We'll get to that someday. But then he's got this walk-in closet. Oh, it is a dream. This bathtub. And he got outdoor space and a pool. Like, this man is living. I want to live like this. What I need to do? What else? Cardi, Gaga on British Vogue. I don't, I don't know that I care that much. And I like Gaga. Um, Madonna is in hot water right now. Do you care? I don't. Back to good black news. Jay-Z. Jay-Z was honored recently at the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, was it? Yes, the Rock Hall of Fame. I'm reading this on Huffington Post. He was inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame by Obama, as in Barry, Forever POTUS, Father Barack, and Dave Chappelle. This is a very big deal, obviously, because like, you know, Barack Obama is giving you a tribute. Father Barack said of Jay-Z, he said, I've turned to Jay-Z's words at different points in my life, whether I was brushing dirt off my shoulder on the campaign trail or sampling his lyrics on the Edmund Pettus Bridge on the 50th anniversary of the Selma March to Montgomery. Today, Jay-Z is one of the most renowned artists in history and an embodiment of the American dream. I would have been boohooing if the forever president said that about me. Like, oh my God. It said Father Barack's comments came after a star-studded video introduction, which featured wife Beyonce, she wasn't there at the ceremony, and daughter Blue. They were reciting Jay-Z's lyrics alongside LeBron James, Rihanna, Chris Rock, Sean Combs, Samuel Jackson, Lynn Muel, Miranda, Queen Latifah, and many more. I mean, he is Jay-Z. The Huffington Post notes that one major Jay-Z fan chose to honor the rapper in person. He is described as, quote, the controversial comedian Dave Chappelle. It said Chappelle took the stage. He received a massive ovation from the crowd. He said he began his remarks saying, I would like to apologize to, because you know he's been in some trouble because of his Netflix doc, his most recent Netflix documentary. And then Dave said, nah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Sir. Sir. No, I heard Dave has actually been like having some real issues because of that documentary. Hold on. That's him calling right now. Hello? My bad. No, Dave Chappelle. He has this documentary that I've actually been dying to see. It debuted during the Tribeca Film Festival. And I was doing it virtual. I didn't go to New York for it. But they were only doing an in-person screening for it. And I think they did it at Radio City Music Hall. I think. It was well-received. I don't really remember what it's about. I think it was. Remember Dave Chappelle was doing these stand-ups in like some field in Ohio where he lives, but he was doing these stand-ups during the height of COVID. And I think that's what the documentary is about. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I did really want to see the documentary and Dave really wants people to see the documentary. I remember at the time it was getting like really good reception, but now 
he's unable to get a distributor in the wake of this backlash as a result of his transphobia on the Netflix special. Anyway, Dave Chappelle honored Jay-Z and this is what he said. I need everybody around the world to know, even though you are honoring him, he is ours. He is hip hop forever and ever and a day. He continued, what's most important for everyone in this room to know is what it means to us, what he means to his culture. We love him more than you could ever recognize or even realize because he embodies the potential of what our lives can be and what success can be. I would cry. I would cry. HuffPo notes that eventually Jay-Z did take the stage. He told the audience that Dave Chappelle and Barack Obama and and all the beautiful people that were included in that video tribute. He said, quote, y'all trying to make me cry in front of all these white people. God, I love black people, yo. Why are we like this? Jay-Z went on to talk about how he never thought he'd be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He paid respect to his own musical influences, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, KRS-One, Chuck D, and LL Cool J, who was also inducted. He said Jay-Z also shouted out his former manager. Is that what Dame Dash was? I thought they were business partners. I didn't know his former manager. With whom he created Rockefeller Records. Is that accurate? Genuine question. I don't know. I'm I'm genuinely asking. I've never heard Dame Dash referred to as his manager before. Jay-Z and Dame Dash have had their falling out, which has been ongoing forever at this point. But Dame Dash did play a significant role in Jay-Z's career and should have been acknowledged. That was the right thing to do. And Dame Dash, because Dame Dash always got something to say. Dame Dash had thoughts on being acknowledged. I'm reading this now from Revolt. Just, I just like to cite my sources, y'all. Just citing my sources. Actually, he spoke to page six. I'm just reading this on Revolt. But Dame said, um, I'm glad he, Jay-Z, said it for the culture. We need to squash everything. So hopefully if that was an extended olive branch, I'll spin one back. I have no beef with him if he has no beef with me. Let's get the lawyers out of it then. Let's talk like men. But I definitely appreciate it. Oh, actually, Revolt has the actual quote that Jay-Z said about Dame during his speech. He said, shout out to Dame. I know we don't see eye to eye, but I can never erase your accomplishments. And I appreciate you and thank you for that. That's sweet. He also talked about Biggie. He said he was one of the most honorable people I've ever met. And we created something that will probably never be duplicated. Oh, my God. Why am I tearing up? He said, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for our journey. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution to this journey. I'm really getting emotional here. Gosh, good for Jay-Z. Sir has come a long way from the Marcy Projects. Also, congratulations to other inductees. Tina Turner, she was inducted this weekend as well, as well as Clarence Avant. Did you ever watch that uh, the documentary on Netflix, The Black Godfather? That's the, that's the most apt description of Clarence Avant. If you've not watched that documentary, do yourself a big favor and go watch it. You know what? If you've already seen it, go watch it again. Clarence Avant knows everybody and their mother, and everybody and their mother wants to know him. And his daughter is married to the head of Netflix. Because the head of Netflix was at the event. Everybody was like, well, what is he doing here? Like, is he here for Dave? And they were like, no, because, you know, Clarence Avant is being honored, and it's his father-in-law. I swear, Hollywood is so incestuous. And not just with black folks. Like, it's such a small town. Jesus. 
But congratulations to Clarence Avant. Like, I love that dude. There's one more thing I want to talk about. Maybe two. Oh, we have some bad black news. <laughs> it's so stupid. The Fugees, they canceled their tour dates until 2022, which I was like, really? Really? They were supposed to kick off the tour soon. I think they were supposed to kick off the tour sometime this month before it could even get started. They were like, nah, we're not going to do it because of COVID and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, "Mm, you sure it's not because of ticket sales or better, better. You sure it's not because y'all got internal beef because, you know, one of the three Fugees. I'm not saying she did anything wrong. I'm just acknowledging that she got a record of being difficult to work with. And I was like, I wonder if, you know, issues with COVID is a euphemism for Miss Hill is acting crazy again. I hope that's not the case. And I say that with no malice and no sarcasm. I hope that's not the case. But it's not lost on me that, you know, she's had difficulty showing up on time for many a tour date. People thought the shows were going to be late. Not that the whole damn tour would be. I have no dog in this fight. I'm not going to see the Fugees when they come out. And not for a lack of love for the Fugees or even Wyclef or even Proz. Because, like, I know they're not going to start on time because you know who. And I'm not paying for a ticket because when I go to concerts, I like to sit down front. I'm not paying good American USD dollars and dineros for a good seat to be sitting there two and change hours waiting for somebody to show up. Like, I'll give everybody 30 minutes. There's a lot going on backstage. Like, you know, things happen. I'll give you that. But two hours, you're just, you're unprepared. Come on. People paying good money. You could be late for free. You can't really say much about for free. But good money paid? Oh, no. You got to show a little more respect for me. (sighs) Last but not least, we need to talk about this ratchet shit. Actually, the other day, there was a conversation on social media. They were like, at what point are we going to have a conversation about black people who've never lived in the hood co-opting the hood for, I don't know, authenticity or blackness or, or whatever. But people who are not from the hood pretending that they're from the hood. I saw it and I was like, yeah, I could probably write an essay on that. The premise of which would be, don't be mad at me for this. It's fine though. American blacks, like as a culture, are obsessed with struggle and poverty. It's almost put up as that is authentic blackness in any part of blackness that doesn't somehow involve either being in struggle and poverty or overcoming struggle and poverty is considered not really black off-brand black or white and I say that as like a black kid who grew up in the suburbs and went to like prep schools I got called acting like a white girl like right up and through college and shit my first few years in Brooklyn too So I just thought it was like a really weird thing that like this conversation was happening on social media without the context of how black suburban kids get so badly othered for not being from the hood. So like the idea that they're like, I don't know, co-opting hoodness when they're like othered for not being hood is just a weird conversation to me. That's kind of the point. The other point is this conversation happens and I, there's a sidebar conversation that I'm tagged into because somebody brings up ratchet and respectable. They were like, that has never, that concept has never sat well with me. 
And I was like, mm. and I think I've addressed this before about Ratchet and Respectable, but just for clarity, in case there's any confusion, yeah, I have respectable traits about me, but I also do some real Ratchet shit too. And I think everyone does. I don't, I don't know anyone who is entirely respectable or who's entirely ratchet. Like everybody got limits and lines where they draw like what's okay, what's not okay. The idea of ratchet and respectable, and also, let me say this first, I don't think ratchet solely applies to of the hood or even to black people. I make a point to talk about like non-black people doing ratchet shit. Ratchet applies to anyone. Ratchet applies to this story that we're about to address now. Remember the story of Huma Aberdeen? She was Hillary Clinton's chief of staff forever and a day. Like she's been with Hillary, I want to say like a good 20, 25 years. She started working with Hillary, I believe, when she was still first lady. And she still works with Hillary to this day. So we're talking about like the mid 90s up until 2021, right? They're thick as thieves. Maybe not the best analogy to use when discussing the Clintons. Moving along, Huma, I think her mom is from Pakistan, her dad is from India, comes with melanin. Not a lot, but with melanin. That's why I'm sharing that, right? Huma has a book coming out. It's called Both And. She did an interview, was it with ABC? I think so. I watched this interview the other day and I was like, oh my God. So she did this interview to talk about her new book. It's her first big interview. And they asked her, they said, Huma, after all this time, you're very much behind the scenes person. Like you pull the strings, you do the strategy. Huma, why are you coming forward? And Huma says, well, I've heard a lot of people write about me and I've, and I want to set this, the record straight. You know, you you don't get to determine what my story is. I do. I said, okay, well, that's a good reason to come forward. So Huma, she was a young woman. She hadn't had a lot of experience dating. I think she might've been a nerd. She started dating this man. You might know his name. He was a congressman at the time. His name was Anthony Weiner. She started dating Anthony Weiner, and it was her first real adult relationship. She said things were going well. And then he told her at some point before they got married, he said that he was broken. And she also said that she found text, I think, in his phone right before they got married. He was texting other women. And she said, well, you know, like, you know, these things happen and we'll work through it. And she married him anyway. She ignored that red flag. The two red flags, actually, because the man said he broken. Listen, he know himself way better than you do, sis. Listen, he said he broken. He broken. He real broken. If he knows he's broken and is telling you he's broken, he broken, broken. You can't gorilla glue that shit back together. Like there's pieces missing. Run. She did not run. She married him. Over the course of their marriage, I think she was pregnant at the time. She was working for Hillary Clinton. He was still in Congress. He posted a picture of his erect penis onto the Twitters. He was trying to DM it to one of his side chicks, but he pushed the wrong button because, you know, he was old. He was old. So instead of DMing, he ended up sending this picture to however many followers he had at the time. And then when people were like, sir, is that your penis that you've posted on the internet? He was like, no, my page has been hacked. What happened? What happened? What happened? After a while, he couldn't deny it. He said, well, yeah, it happened. Like, yeah, this, this thing did happen. Okay. His wife, she got up at the press conference and she defended him at the time. Well, not defended him, but she absolved him. She said she was standing by her husband. She was going to ride out with him. Okay. 
Nigga did the shit again. So he resigns from office. I hope I'm getting this story right. I watched this interview and my mouth dropped on multiple occasions. He did. So he did that. He resigned from office because, you know, a congressman posting his hard dick on the Internet is that's that's kind of that's uncouth. And this is also pre Trump years. We've seen so much crazy shit during the Trump years that like some things that wouldn't fly before it. You're just like, really? The dick was covered. He had to resign and his dick was covered. He was in his drawers, but you couldn't actually see the dick. And he still stepped down. Really? Okay. He did. So some time passes and he decides, you know what? I think I can run for mayor. And does. And is getting traction. But then it comes out that he'd continued to sex women after the resignation. Nigga. We not done. We not done. He ran for mayor in 2013. Huma finds out he's still been sexting women. She still stays. She still stays. Fast forward. 2016. This fool is still sexting. He sent a 21-year-old woman who was a follower on his Twitter account. He sent her a photo of him laying up in bed in his boxers with a hard penis. And his son, a four-year-old, his son laying on the bed next to him. Sir. What kind of nasty filth? What the fuck is wrong with you? What kind of pervert are you? That's sick. You're a sick man. Sexting with your baby in the photo, sir? The fuck is wrong with you? And if I recall this story, his face was in the picture. This man had clearly has problems. Problems. And I'm not saying he has mental issues. I don't want to give him that excuse. There's all sorts of people with mental issues who sext appropriately if they do sext. They got mental issues, but their mental issues don't tell them to do like some filthy shit, like put a child in the photo. Or, or to be a national fucking figure, a recognizable, identifiable national fucking figure, taking these photos and sending them to strangers. The woman he sent the pictures to, I believe she was 21, a millennial. She did what millennials tend to do. She was like, what the fuck is this? And sent it to the press. Not mad at her. Not mad at her. Because of the child being pictured in the photos, there was an ACS investigation into the child's well-being. Huma tells this story when she was doing the interview that I watched. Ma'am, your husband and his nastiness, his filth, his perversion, got ACS looking into taking your baby out the house? Really? Really? You know, to this day, to this day, to this day, on, on November 2nd of 2021 of the year of our Lord, you know, this woman is still married to this man. They've been trying to finalize this divorce, but they still married. This, this incident happened in 2016. They still married. Five years later, they still married. I was like, ma'am, 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 what? I know folks like to be like, I took these vows. I respect these vows. When, when men do crazy shit and women be like, enough is enough. I got to leave this situation. This is crazy. People say all sorts of crazy shit. I remember telling a guy friend one time exactly what happened that made me leave my husband. Um, and I actually told somebody, like I was drunk the other day. I actually told somebody the, the actual story or whatever. And he looked at me. He said, that nigga did what? I said, yeah. And he said, you left that day. I said, sir, it happened at 7.30 a.m. I was out that bitch by 10.30. 
I grabbed all the money I had in that house and every seasonal piece of clothing I could find, packed my shit up and drove home. Actually, because I had to meet my family for my mother's birthday brunch and I just drove straight through and I was on the phone with my bestie for like four hours straight, like ranting and raving. And I showed up to the birthday dinner and it was like 10 people at the table. So like, obviously my parents, all my parents' friends, they're essentially aunts and uncles, but like a whole bunch of black folks, like in they like anywhere from like 60 to 90, right? It's like 12 people at the table, all couples, right? And then two seats for me, my ex-husband. So I walk in and I did my makeup in the car and I fluffed out my hair. I walk in and it's, you know, it's just me. So I walk in and um, I sit down and nobody says, you know, like, where's, where's your husband? My dad was like, oh, you know, we just ordered and, you know, here, have this menu and order what you want. And, you know, everybody family got like an uncle who ain't got no couth, right? My family got one of those. I love him. I love him. Because so, sometimes his no couth is funny, but then when his no couth is directed at me, it wasn't so funny that day. And he said, Demetri, he says, where's, um... He said his name. He said, where, where is he at? He's, he's not joining us. And I said, no, no, he will no longer be joining our family functions. And the whole table was just quiet. And my uncle said, okay. And he raised his hand and waved for the waiter. He said, order what you want. <laughs> I love my family. They're all out of their fucking minds. Okay. So that's a good example, right? But I also had a friend that I explained the whole situation to, right? The crazy shit. And he was like, you can't leave. I said, well, what the fuck you mean I can't leave? Like, what the fuck? I was supposed to just, like, stay, like, after this shit? And he was like, yeah, like, you know, he was like, yo, it's really hard out here, like, you know, being a black woman. You know, if, if you leave him, you're probably, like, never going to be in a relationship again, and you'll probably never get married. So, like, you should just stay. And I was like, would you stay? Like, if somebody did that shit to you? And he was like, fuck no, but I'm a man. I have options. And I was like, yo, Give me the advice you wouldn't even fucking take. And he was like, I mean, if you want to be in a relationship, like, then that's what your choice is. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be in a relationship that bad. Sorry. Then I remember telling another friend, and I was like, yo, I, I don't think I could do this. So like one of my really, really good guy friends who always rides with me. And he was like, you're breaking a sacrament. I said, what? He said, you're breaking a sacrament. He was like, to, to, to divorce is a sin. I was like, nigga, you Catholic. I'm not like. I'm like, I'm fine with sin. God forgives. I pray. I go to church. I can't stay. I can't do this. And he was like, I'm just, I'm just saying it's a sin. So like men can do crazy shit. And then when a woman's like, I can't, I can't like, there is like a huge push to get women not to leave. Remember that shit with like Cardi and Offset? I mean, I guess it all worked out for them because she seems happier now, but he was like publicly embarrassing her on multiple occasions by cheating. He really, really embarrassed himself and her. And like, people were like, Cardi, don't leave. Cardi, don't leave. Knowing that if a woman had done the same thing to them, they'd be out. Jada said she cheated on Will when they were going through a separation. Will was like, I was done with your ass, which meant Jada could basically go do what she felt the need to do because they're in an open relationship, which Will has, since that time, he's clarified publicly. Okay. But people to this day be like, he should leave her. He should leave her. She cheated on him. He should leave her. But that's not what they say when women try to leave. After this last incident with, with Anthony Weiner, he did some mo shit, mo shit. She talked about this in the interview too. Apparently he was sending dick pics or sexually explicit photos to a 15 year old. And that's what he ended up going to jail for. Bruh, bruh, bruh. The interview asked Huma, they said, Huma, why did you stay? Why did you stay? 
You're the chief of staff to one of the most powerful women in the world. Like you have money, you have power, you have access. Like, why would you stay? And she was like, well, you know, he was my husband and, and, you know, we had a family, we had a young child and I was concerned about what would happen to my child if we divorced and how that would impact him. And and then we had a duplex. And so he lived upstairs. I lived downstairs. And so, so after Wiener had sent these, this explicit photo to a 15 year old, I think it was the feds. The feds searched his emails and Hillary Clinton's name came up. And if you remember during the election between Clinton and Trump, there was all this talk about her emails, her emails, her emails, her emails. So there had been an investigation into her emails and then it was closed. And then this Wiener story popped up and right before the election, I think it was the DOJ, they decided to search Clinton's emails again. And it made it look like there was a scandal there that she was involved in that she wasn't. And the interviewer asked Huma, they said, well, do you think that, you know, that played a part in, in Hillary Clinton losing the election that, you know, that the, 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 that the investigation again into her emails, like cost her the credibility with some voters and they wouldn't vote for her because of that. And like, even though it was all cleaned up, like right before the election, like it was a really big story and like, it may have tainted people. Like, do you think that that was a factor? And she was like, I think about that all the time. And she was like, for a really long time, like I really beat myself up about it. She's like, I think there were a lot of factors. And she was like, I've since forgiven myself. But she was like, yeah. Your whore ass husband that you wouldn't leave for reasons that you chose. I know, I know personally, it's not an easy decision. But your whore ass husband is part of the reason we got Trump in office. Girl, and you still married to him. That's some ratchet shit. I have a final thought. It applies to Huma and it applies to lots of women. We absolutely must, must stop raising our daughters to think that being a wife and a mother is what defines them and is the end all be all. And they will be nothing without being tied to some man. Because I think that's how you end up with a situation like this. You have this woman who is incredibly intelligent. She has all these degrees. She works with some of the most powerful people in the world and masterminds their success. She's their right hand. She's their consigliere. She's literally the chief of staff. She has an amazing mind, amazing intelligence and strategy and can see the forest and the trees when it comes to her professional life. But when it comes to her, her personal life is making pure shit decisions to stay with a man who told her up front he was broken and whored on her constantly throughout their marriage of which she's still in after all this crazy shit. He even went to jail. Maybe she couldn't divorce him because he was in jail or because of COVID. I was like the last of this crazy, but I was like a whole bunch of crazy shit happened before COVID and before jail where you should have left his ass. The divorce is pending currently. I hope she goes through with it. I mean, she done wrote a whole book that she's telling the world all her business about how fucked up this man treated her and why she stayed. So I hope she's done. But it also wouldn't surprise me if she stayed. The push to keep women in relationships, marriages especially, no matter how fucked up they are, is very, very, very strong. Yeah. All right. That's the episode for the day. I'm glad I pushed through because y'all really was about to get like a repeat episode. Like my production company goes crazy when I do that. I think I did it twice this year. Once because of like the housing crisis I was in in April. And then second, when I got my COVID shot and was like down for like 48 hours. But they were so upset that I wasn't submitting a new episode. Like sent fucked up emails, CC'd everybody. Like 
it was, oh, I like to think I'm free, the free and freelancer. I'm not. That upsets me. The inability to say no. But I'm going to start doing that shit a lot more because um, you can't hear it in my voice. I was tired. I was tired. All right, boys and girls and those who don't identify as either. So stay tuned for November 9th. The new merch is dropping then. I told y'all I guess all jewel colors because like black people look really good in jewel tone. And last time it was like all black and people were like, look, I know you only wear black, but some of us like some goddamn color in our lives. We're black. We need color. All right. We will talk again on Friday. If I'm in a better mood, y'all might get a rerun. That's everything. Probably not, but that's all I got. We'll talk. Okay. Bye.